NFTs are all the rage these days, and brands including Johnny Walker, Tiffany & Co., Tiger Beer, Nike, Starbucks, and KFC have jumped onto it to offer customers a new experience. According to research by UK-based consultancy Juniper Research, the number of NFT transactions globally will grow from 24 million in 2022 to 40 million by 2027. It seems like NFTs will eventually become a norm in this digital age. Brands that have yet to enter this space would definitely find it interesting. But what about those that have already made the daring leap into NFTs? What's next for brands that have entered the scene? Hello, my name is Janice Tan and thank you for tuning in to Marketing Connected. Today, we will explore what makes NFTs so appealing to brands, how brands can ensure the longevity of their NFT foray, and the definition of NFT ownership. As with every trend, brands will always find opportunities to jump onto them. However, NFTs are beginning to seem more than just a fad. Venture capital company Animoca Brands has been extremely active in driving digital property rights via NFTs and gaming to build the open metaverse. Last year, it raised $65 million in funding. In a discussion with Marketing Interactive earlier this year, its CEO Robbie Young said NFTs are about creating digital property rights, which is an element that has been missing for the last 30 years. And the company is applying this to games. When you think about how games have been made, um, the free-to-play model has underlied the um, economies of games now for the better part of 15 years. And the idea is that people spend money in games to buy stuff, right? They, they upgrade their characters, they buy characters, they buy weapons or whatever the, you know, the, the idea of the game is. Um, and they, they increase their enjoyment through purchasing things, but they don't actually own those things. And so what NFTs enable us to do is give true digital ownership, those property rights to gamers by allowing them to buy those items, which the ownership of which, you know, entitles them to do what they like with them. They can trade them, sell them, you know, modify them, do what they like. Um, and I think, you know, once you once you give people property rights, um, you find it's very difficult to think about what the world was like before then, because it just doesn't make sense anymore once, once you have that new perspective. What do you think led to this sudden craze of NFTs and uh, when did you start seeing the traction? For us, um, I think the big traction in, in the sort of mainstream public consciousness was the collectible game NBA Top Shot from Dapper Labs last year. I mean, there was a bit of a perfect storm, I think, between um, an increase in crypto prices, um, as well as uh, NBA Top Shot kind of capturing the zeitgeist of a new way to collect something that people already love. I mean, the NBA is beloved in, in many countries around the world and has a huge fan base. So I think that that combination kind of took off. And then on that basis, people realized, well, hey, you know, all this stuff we've been collecting for so long, how come I, I don't own these digital collectibles? You know, this, this is really cool. Maybe we should be doing it this way. While NFTs might be the talk of the town now, they aren't actually new. According to the Wall Street Journal in 2021, the first NFTs surfaced in late 2017. While it is common to see NFTs more skewed towards the fine arts, Brands from industries such as luxury and food and beverage, and even musicians, have their own NFTs now. So what makes NFTs a good fit for a brand? According to Avery Akineni, president of Vayner3, a strategic consultancy dedicated to leading enterprises and intellectual property owners to build in Web3, the right brands for NFTs 
are those that are committed to building a community and those that have a dedicated fan base that already loves them and wants to engage with the brand in a new way. Last year, the consultancy partnered with Budweiser to create NFTs. It has since expanded its portfolio to Diageo, PepsiCo, and Coinbase. The reason that we wanted to create this um this consultancy was because we think that NFTs presented a really cool opportunity for brands to engage with their consumers. Fundamentally, like brand building is about like emotional storytelling and creating a connection with consumers that makes you, you know, choose one kind of watch over another, one kind of car over another, one kind of beer over another. And we think that NFTs are, you know, one of this one of the biggest technology shifts of our generation, sort of all wrapped up in this Web three transition that we're all about to embark on on together. So we've worked with, you know, amazing partners like Budweiser, PepsiCo, and and many others. And I think that the right brands for NFTs are brands who are really committed to building a community and are also have, I think, a high propensity, like a dedicated fan base who already like loves them, cares about them, wants to engage with them in this new way. Um, If you look at our our heritage cans, um, NFTs from Budweiser, that actually came out of the insight that a lot of people collect these like historic Budweiser cans at their houses. You know, that's something that people like pass down across generations and they already like it. So it's sort of an existing behavior. Um, And I think that when you look at some of the brands who are playing in this space already, very, very, very few of them are doing anything serious that's committed to like a long-term community building type of thing. We see a lot of brands jumping in to do a one-time drop for charity or with varying degrees of success. Some go really well in the example of Coca-Cola, some, you know, you know what he really talks about, um, don't necessarily go anywhere. But I think that what you'll see over the next six, 12, 18 months is brands really using this as a long-term brand building play as a way to engage with their communities and create a sort of new sense of communities they walk into the world of Web3. Have any clients come to you with concerns about entering the NFT space, for example, and and what are those? Yeah, it's funny because a lot of, uh, we get hundreds of calls a day that say, I want to do an NFT, you know, right away. I want to do it in the next like two weeks. And our first question is why? And where we really start with all of our partners is around education, because it's not just like a, you know, PR headline to us. I think the NFTs can be so much more than that. Um, A lot of marketers want to, you know, jump into this space without fully understanding the implications. But if you look at all the successful NFT programs, and we're very fortunate to have one in-house with us, um, actually Gary Vaynerchuk, who's the the CEO of of VaynerX, Um, Gary launched his his project in May, and that's given us so many learnings of the right ways to go about and um, sort of launching an NFT program. So clients say, oh, I want to do one. And we say, why? Do you understand it? Can you take cryptocurrency? Can you even own an NFT? And 99.9% of the time, the answer to that is no. So it's like, let us help you get there and let's build something that's actually interesting and designed for the long term. Um, And then, of course, there are a lot of uh, it's not like we're necessarily out there like pitching NFTs. It's more. you know, when partners are looking at at assessing the right thing, um, if you're really doing it right, you can take crypto, you can have NFTs, you can do airdrops, you can, you know, provide utility behind these. And that does take a good amount of legal and operational and financial um, coordination, I'd say, to make sure that, that these large Fortune 100, 500 companies can actually execute this kind of thing and do it the right way. So I think there's, you know, questions around environmental impact, which are right. Um, the sort of norm today is to, to do carbon offsets or to work with specific chains that have um, reduced environmental impact. Um, there are questions around sort of brand safety. And I think if you look at examples, um, 
not to not to name any specific names, but there are plenty of brand NFTs that have actually not been successful from a brand safety perspective because their contract gets hacked or something else like that happens. So from our perspective, um, working with a partner who really understands the space and has executed things at, at the highest levels um, sort of helps those uh, brands transition to this world in a way that feels like sort of safe and comfortable to them. Um, and of course, in line with what they stand for as a brand. During the discussion, Shannon Dix, CMO of Virtually Human, a company focusing on consumer-first Web3 entertainment experiences, said loyalty has been put into hyperdrive thanks to NFTs. We're obviously sort of a, a play-to-earn game as well. We're called our sort of core game is Zed Run, and we're very much around play-to-earn, very much have a, a very strong community. We've been going for about two years. And so when we think about the brands that we partner with, it's a bit of the old marketing meets new marketing. And that's around sort of the idea of loyalty is not a new concept, but loyalty has just been put in hyperdrive thanks to NFTs. If you think about the stickiness that the NFTs provide around utility and value, and not just sustained sort of value, but sort of community value. Um, And I think what brands need to continuously think about is kind of where they want to sort of push sort of their their objectives. Uh, are they sort of driving more of a utility or are they trying to do more uh, user acquisition because they want to go for a younger audience? It depends sort of where, where they're sort of driving in terms of their, their strategy or their objective. Um, sustaining sort of the NFT sort of community is kind of like constantly sort of providing value or utility. So you're constantly experimenting with, okay, you're in the Discord with your community and you're basically sort of assessing, are we providing enough value? Uh, we've done a, our first drop. What, what are we doing for our second drop? And there's got to be a constant communication. Um, and sometimes it's a difficult um, conversation. If you provide enough value, your community is going to tell you straight away. Um, and that's the beauty of this kind of real-time sort of NFT sort of um, virtuous cycle. It's like p- the community has a one-to-one conversation with the brands that didn't really exist before. Um, so, yeah, so I think the, the opportunity for a lot of brands is really sort of thinking about sort of the, the long-term sort of strategy and the, and the implication to what they want to drive. Regardless of the opportunities presented for brands, another challenge remains for companies, and that is copyright issues. In January, French luxury brand Hermes filed a trademark lawsuit against U.S. digital creator Mason Rothschild and his digital art project Meta Birkins which are also digital versions inspired by its iconic Birkin bags. The luxury brand has accused Rothschild of trying to profit from its trademarks, adding that the Meta Birkins brand, quote, simply rips off Hermes's famous Birkin trademark by adding the generic prefix Meta to the famous trademark Birkin. Rothschild, however, said he creates artwork that depicts imaginary fur-covered Birkin bags and that the First Amendment gives him the right to make and sell art that depicts Birkin bags. When asked what brands can do to protect themselves from such incidents, Animoca brand CEO Robbie Young said that these aren't different from any other copyright infringement cases. According to him, brands would already have processes in place for such cases, and NFTs fall into the same bucket. This also brings about the issue of ownership. It is generally understood that while someone might have purchased an NFT, the artist can still retain the copyright and reproduction rights. According to Robbie, the definition of ownership depends on what is specified by the creator. 
typically the ownership of the NFT is an, is the ownership of that specific NFT, meaning if it consists of, um, you know, a piece of visual art, then um, it comes along with a, a copy of the visual art, but it does not necessarily come along with the ownership of the copyright of the image, meaning you may not be able to reproduce that image for your own purposes. It's just that one image, that one copy that you own. Um, however, it's possible within the smart contract to also sell and include copyright for the visual image along with an NFT. I mean, that's up to the creator to decide if they want to sell their copyright along with the copy contained within the NFT. So that's, you know, it, it does vary. But for the most part, NFTs tend to be individual copies of, of digital items. Give you yes. another example. Sure. So for example, if I own an automobile, you know, sitting outside in my driveway, um, I can't make an NFT out of a photograph of that because I don't own the copyright to the design of the car. I just own that one car. So even though it's my car, I can't make an NFT of it because, you know, that's the copyright belongs to BMW or Ford or whoever made the car. Once the creator sells um, the NFT, right, the image is now in the hands of the buyer. So um, they kind of also have free reign in terms of what they want to do with the content, right? So for example, it's like if someone were to buy a luxury bag and um, take an Instagram story or TikTok of it and post it online, the luxury brand doesn't have much say um, in how the bag is being used for user-generated content. So in this case, can brands actually ensure that their NFTs aren't misused or do they need to sit back and let things run its course? The enforcement side is always going to be difficult. Um, and I think one thing that is something that brands need to get their heads around is that um, what we're asking of brands in terms of how they think about NFTs is no different than how they think of physical merchandise. Um, so, you know, if you think of going and buying a, buying a handbag and then, you know, I buy a physical handbag and then I go and I make a YouTube video of me burning it, right? And then it goes viral on YouTube. Well, that's not necessarily great for the brand, but it's my property. I bought it and I can destroy it if I choose to, you know, waste my money on it. Um, and, and so I think that the same thing is true in the digital world when you think about digital ownership. I think where that crosses the line into copyright infringement and then profiting off of derivative works that are not permitted under copyright rules, then that's a separate issue. But I think in terms of ownership of items passing to users, you know, once it's your property, you should be entitled to do what you like with it. Thank you for tuning in to Marketing Connected. Marketing Interactive's Digital Marketing Asia is back for its 10th year. Join us for three days of hyper-focused presentation topics across six tracks from 15th to 17th November and connect with more than a thousand of the world's brightest minds in the marketing scene. Visit www.marketing-interactive.com for more details. Don't forget to subscribe to Marketing Connected to keep abreast of new episodes.